Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good stuff. And guys, it's so good that you're joining me here on this Friday. And congratulations, guys. You made it through to the end of another week. May you have a fabulous weekend filled with triumph, victory, relaxation, and fun ahead of you, preparing you for another glorious week of conquest next week. And it is Friday. And here today, now I'm normally joined by Robert Meyer Burnett on Fridays, but you guys know Robert's got a new movie coming out called Tango Shalom. He texted me late last night. A few last minute kind of emergencies came up that he has to deal with on a technical level. So he's not going to be able to join us today, but don't worry. Rob will be back on. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. Rob will be here on Monday. Rob will be here on Monday. So uh, there you go. Listen, guys, we're going to spend today talking, mostly taking your live comments and questions. That's what we're mostly going to do today. But I have a couple of things I want to cover here first before we get into a lot of big stuff. Well, this is pretty big, actually. So I want to talk to you about next week first, okay? So next week is going to be a little bit different around here for the John Campia Show because there will be, there will be a John Campia Show on Monday, Okay. There will be a John Campia show on Monday. It'll be a little bit short and, you know, about probably about an hour and a half instead of the regular two hours. But then after that, myself and Aaron Cummings are hitting the road and we are going to Las Vegas uh, for CinemaCon. We are going to Las Vegas for CinemaCon. Now, CinemaCon is like my favorite event of the year. And it was, I mean, as a film guy, it is my favorite event of the year. I like it even more than Comic-Con and all this kind of stuff. Now, of course, it was canceled last year. It was canceled last year because of COVID. It's moving forward this year. So uh, we're going to be going to this. Now, basically, for those of you who don't know what CinemaCon is, CinemaCon is an event put on by NATO, the... um, the National Association of Theater Owners, okay? And basically, it's a big festival for all the movie theaters, big chains, small chains, mom and pops, independent theaters, all that kind of stuff. They get together every year. You know, tens of thousands of people come in to Vegas for CinemaCon. And part of what they do at CinemaCon is they talk about the industry. They talk about new trends and how to run your business. Big, you know, equipment manufacturers, you know, uh, projector companies, seating companies, you know, uh, companies that make soda dispensing machines and the newest technology and popcorn makers or whatever. They all come to these things to put on a big trade show. But the reason I get excited for CinemaCon is because of on top of all of that, all the studios, Focus, Paramount, Sony, Universal, MGM, Neon, Lionsgate, like you name it, all the Warner Brothers, all the studios come to CinemaCon every year and they each put on a big two to three hour presentation highlighting and showing clips and trailers and exclusive content of the films they have coming up later that year or over the coming year, right? It's always amazing. And they always bring their top tier talent. They bring their stars. They bring their, the heads of the studios. They all come and it's all that kind of good stuff, right? So we are doing this uh, today. We are doing this or this week. We are going to be going to CinemaCon. Um, 
Uh, Peter Cunnington is asking, "What, John? Why do you keep changing the time? Why are you late? This is this is the normal time that we always have. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying it's late. This is this is 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is our normal starting time. Anyway, so I wanted to give you guys a heads up of what's going to happen at CinemaCon. So Aaron and I are going to go, and we're going to be posting periodic videos from there. But what we're going to do is we're going to do a big live stream after each studio presentation." to talk about all the things that we saw at CinemaCon, all right? We're going to do a big stream after each studio presentation to talk about all the things we did at CinemaCon. So let's look at the schedule here, okay? Let's go to the schedule. We'll start with Monday. Now, again, Monday, we're going to do the John Campia show in the morning, and then we're going to head out there. But the first big event, I mean, I'm not really interested in the looking at the international market, uh, how to improve your foods, uh, fruit, food service, workforce. Hap- I'm not interested in all that. The first big thing for me is 6 p.m. on Monday, Sony Pictures Entertainment kicks, kicks things off with an exclusive presentation highlighting its upcoming releases. And this is going to be hosted by Josh Greenstein, the president of Sony Pictures Entertainment Motion Pictures, Adrian Smith, the president of domestic uh, releasing for Sony Pictures, and Steve O'Dell, the president of international releasing for Sony Pictures. So this is the first big one, and this is going to be Monday night, 6 through 9 p.m. So let's jump over here for a second. Uh, we'll do this. So uh, Monday, Sony uh, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Now, why this is important is because that means probably at about 9.30 p.m. we'll be doing a live stream. So probably about 9.30 p.m., Aaron and I will be doing a live stream to talk about what we saw at the Sony thing. Now, why this is so big is because I believe because it's CinemaCon, they're going to show us a bunch of Morbius footage. I believe they're going to show us a bunch of Venom footage. I believe they're going to show us uh, an Uncharted, either some footage or a trailer. But here's the big thing. I really believe... Because this is what happens at CinemaCon all the time. I really believe that at this time slot, this time slot right here, the Monday from 6 to 9 p.m., I believe that is when they are going to drop the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Now, let me be very clear here. I have no insider information about... Sony's actually doing that, but it makes total sense. At this point, we're basically in September where we're within the three month window of when the movie's supposed to be coming out. Um, and it's CinemaCon. So on top of venom footage and more, Mor- uh, Morbius footage and uncharted footage, and maybe even an uncharted trailer, um, and everything, all the other Sony stuff they're going to be doing. I really believe that on that Monday night, this coming Monday, they are going to drop a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Uh, and by the way, RJD sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, RJ. Um, and now what will happen, what will happen is that once it plays and once the, 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 um, uh, the presentation is done. What they normally do at CinemaCon is we'll see it first, but as soon as the presentation's done, then they'll probably throw it up online. So by the time Aaron and I get back 
to the suite and we get the cameras turned on, you guys will probably have seen the the trailer already. Now, again, let me reemphasize again because this is important. I do not know for a fact that they are dropping it there. It just makes sense that they are. We're close enough to when the movie's coming out. It is CinemaCon. Studios, there's a long history of studios dropping their big trailers at CinemaCon. Uh, It just seems to make sense. So that's the first big one. The first big one is going to be Monday um, for the Sony one. Okay, so let's move on from Monday. Let's now go over to Tuesday, August the 24th. And there's a couple of big things on Tuesday, August the 24th. The first one is going to be, where are we at? There we go. It's state of the um, state of the industry and studio presentation from MGM. And now, of course, they've got a lot of stuff coming out MGM. That's at 9.15 on Tuesday morning. It ends at 11.30, so you're probably looking at about 12 o'clock on Tuesday. You'll see me and Aaron doing a live stream about everything that we saw at the MGM. And that one's going to be presented... Uh, by John Fithian, who's the president and CEO of NATO, uh, Charles Rifkin, the chairman and CEO of, MP- of the MPA. We're also going to get reps from MGM there, including Michael DeLuca, the motion picture group chairman of MGM, all that kind of stuff. They're going to be doing this big presentation, all that kind of stuff. So that's MGM. That's at 915 to 1130. So probably our live stream is going to be at 12. But also on Tuesday, Tuesday's a big day, ladies and gentlemen. Tuesday's a big day. Because we fast forward now to 5 p.m. to 6.30, an hour and a half presentation from Warner Brothers. And I believe we are getting some Batman stuff. I believe we're going to get Flash stuff. I believe we're going to get Batman stuff. Uh, I believe they're going to show us now whether or not they're going to actually drop a new trailer for either of those. I don't know. They do have, you know, DC Fandom coming up. So they're going to probably want to save some stuff for that. But what could very well happen at this Warner Brothers thing is that they show us the trailer, a new trailer for the Batman, but they don't release it publicly until um, DC fandom. Again, I'm just speculating here. Okay, don't don't take that to the bank. I am just speculating here, but they are absolutely going to show us footage of the Batman. They are absolutely, I believe, going to show us footage of the Flash, whether or not they actually put out trailers. Who knows? But I think there is a possibility they put out a trailer for the Batman and they don't release that one online. So at probably 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, Aaron and I will do a live stream and we'll tell you all about whatever footage we saw. And don't forget, Warner Brothers is more than just The Flash and Batman. They got a lot of stuff coming out this year. They're going to be talking about all of it. They'll probably also do a lot of talking and show us some scenes from Dune, which I'm very excited about. So they're probably going to bring in the cast for this too, to talk about all this stuff. So that's going to be really good. So Monday, we got Sony. Tuesday in the morning, we got MGM. And Tuesday in the evening, we got Warner Brothers. So that's going to be great. Okay, let's now move on to the Wednesday. Wednesday is very busy. Wednesday is very busy. Because Wednesday starts at 8 a.m. with a presentation from Neon. Now, Neon is this little company that could. They have been killing it lately. Uh, with their stuff that they've had coming out. A lot of big, interesting-looking projects they have coming out. So they're going to start at 8 a.m. with Neon. Now, we will not be doing a live stream right after the Neon presentation. Not because we don't think doing a a live stream for Neon is worth it. Not at all. It's just that 
after that presentation at 9.30 in the morning as Walt Disney Studios invites you to a screening of Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. John, you've already seen Shang-Chi twice. Yes, but you know what's better than seeing Shang-Chi twice? Seeing Shang-Chi three times. And by the way, and Aaron hasn't seen it yet. So Aaron hasn't seen it yet. So yes, what we will do is um, we will not be doing a live stream after the Neon presentation because we're going to be going from the Neon presentation right into seeing Shang-Chi. And that ends at around 11.30. So what we'll probably do is we'll do one live stream. What we're definitely going to do is a live stream with Aaron's reaction because you've seen my reaction to it. You've seen Robert's reaction to it. Uh, now you're going to see Aaron's reaction to it. And I have no idea if she's going to like it or not. I, I really don't. I think almost everybody's going to like this movie. So I think she'll like it, but I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So we'll probably do a quick video right after that screening of Shang-Chi to give you Aaron's reaction. I might try to grab some of the theater owners and stuff like that as well and get their reactions on camera as well to the movie. And we'll see what they think about it. But later that evening, after Shang-Chi, we get down to uh, where are we at here? At 4.30, we got a big presentation from Universal and Focus Features from 4.30 to 6. So this one's an hour and a half. So obviously Universal, and this one's being put on, they're bringing in their big guns. Lisa Brunel, the president of D domestic theatrical distribution for Focus Features. Uh, Veronica uh, Kwan bringing in, who's the president of international uh, distribution for Universal. The president of Universal. They're bringing in a lot of big guns for this. So you know they're going to be giving us a big presentation at Universal. They're going to be showing us a lot of crap. And we will do a live stream once that presentation is done. And we will incorporate both the Neon presentation and the Universal Studios presentation. Guys, I'm telling you, get hyped. If you're a movie fan, get hyped. So much stuff comes out of CinemaCon. I am bubbling with excitement. It is my favorite event every year. I am so excited to be going to this. All right. So that's Wednesday. Now let's move on to the final day which is Thursday, and Thursday's another big day, and it starts off for us at 10 a.m. with one we're really looking forward to, which is Paramount Pictures. Paramount's going to be doing their one at uh, from 10 to 12.15, so they've got a little over two hours that they're doing theirs for, obviously. And, oh, uh, Colico sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Colico. Um, obviously, we're going to have Tom Cruise stuff going up there a lot obviously we're going to get some top gun stuff we're going to get a lot of other stuff obviously they've booked two hours and 15 minutes for this presentation so they're, they're going to be giving us a lot of stuff they're going to be giving us a lot of stuff so of course we will do a live stream when that is done probably around one o'clock now that leads us into the final one the final presentation which is one that i'm very interested in which is the Lionsgate presentation um, the Lionsgate presentation should be very, very interesting this year. We've talked a lot in recent weeks about a lot of the projects they have coming up. And obviously, I think we're going to get some John Wick stuff. I'm kind of pumped about that. We're going to, there's going to be loaded with stuff. So that one goes from 2.45 to 4.15. So probably around 4.45, 5 p.m. on Friday, Aaron and I will do our final live stream from CinemaCon, giving you the final report. So again, this is big, packed, packed week. Monday morning, we're going to do the John Campia show regular from here. Then we're going to hit the road, go to Vegas, and we're going to do 
uh, the Sony presentation. Again, I think we're getting Morbius. I think we're getting Venom 2. I think we're getting Uncharted. I think we're getting Spider-Man No Way Home. And I think we're getting our first trailer that night. Again, don't book it. That's just me guessing. We'll see. Then we go into Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Then at 9 p.m., a big pool party at the uh, Caesars Pool of the Gods. That should be fun. Um, then Tuesday, 9.15 a.m., we got MGM. 5 p.m., we got Warner Brothers. On Wednesday, we got an 8 a.m. neon, a 9.30 a.m. screening of Shang-Chi. 4.30 in the evening, we've got a universal presentation. On Thursday, we've got uh, Paramount Pictures at 10 a.m. and then 245 Lionsgate. So we are going to be, even though there's not going to be a regular John Campia show next week, other than the main the show we do on Monday. So we're going to do the John Campia show Monday. That's the only regular John Campia show for the week. We are going to be doing a lot of videos, a lot of exciting stuff. Next week is going to be exciting. Uh, and I don't know if you can just tell how pumped I am for this. Last time I went, me and Robert went. And they showed so much stuff. And we and the videos me and Robert did from there, you guys just love them. I mean, those videos got so much attention from you guys. And we just love talking about everything. And I'm sure this uh, year is going to be the same. I am very, very excited for this. And by the way, Marie Seifring sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Marie. Appreciate that. So, yeah, there you go, guys. CinemaCon next week. Cannot wait. Uh, and by the way, you can go to CinemaCon if you want to. The only problem is, is $1,200 for a ticket. It's $1,200 for a ticket if you want to go. And you have to show that you're somehow, some way connected to the industry. It's not hard, but you have to show somehow, some way that you're in some roundabout way connected to the movie industry in some roundabout way. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm going on an invitation, so I didn't have to pay that much. But anyway going to be good and i'm going to be staying right in caesar's palace uh, again our friends at caesar's guys i cannot whenever you go to las vegas guys stay at a caesar's property caesar's does it right um whenever i go to, to vegas i always stay at a caesar's thing they always treat me great they give the rooms are always fabulous it's wonderful so i'll be staying right on the cinemacon is happening at caesar's palace i'm staying right on ground zero i'm staying right there at where the event is so excited very excited i cannot wait and i might play a little poker while i'm there might play a little poker around there okay with all that down guys uh let's talk about something here before we get on to your live comments and questions shall we and, and and that is this now we have obviously been talking a lot lately about shang chi right uh we've been talking a lot about this movie it's a movie whose marketing wasn't great I mean, yeah, when that one trailer for Shang-Chi came out and we saw, I mean, the, the I believe it was the final trailer. When the final trailer for Shang-Chi came out and we saw Abomination and Wong in a cage fighting, okay, yes, that got us all pretty buzzed. But still, the, the trailer was good, but it's like the trailers have not been great, all right? And before that one with Abomination Wong, I'd say, yeah, they've been all right. I mean, the, the, the market, let's just say this. The marketing campaign for Shang-Chi has not been the best that Disney's ever done. Okay, I think that's fair to say. However much you like or dislike the marketing so far, I think it's fair to say that the marketing for Shang-Chi has not been the best that they've ever done, right? So I, I, don't, I don't think the marketing's been great. So, you know, my expectations have been kind of tempered for Shang-Chi until I saw it. Now, for me, I've now seen the movie twice. 
And for me personally, I think for me, it is my favorite comic book movie since Logan. Not as learn the English language, people not as good as Logan, not better than Logan. It's the best one I've personally seen since Logan. John, are you saying that you liked Shang-Chi more than Black Panther? Yes. John, are you saying you like Shang-Chi more than Infinity War? Yes. John, are you saying you like Shang-Chi more than Endgame? Yes. John, are you saying that it is a better movie than Endgame? I am saying that for me, it was a better movie than Endgame. That's just the experience I had. It's not as good as Logan. It's not the best comic book movie of all time. But it's the best comic book movie I've seen since Logan. And I I just went bananas for it. And then when I went to go see it a second time, because I, I took Rob to see it for his first time seeing it, and I was very curious to see how Rob would react. But I also wondered myself, what's my second experience? Like, now that I've seen it, maybe when I watch it a second time, I'll be like, okay, yeah, it was still great, but it wasn't as great as I felt the first time. I liked it just as much. I am not kidding you. Halfway through the third act, there's an action sequence, right? And I had tears welling up in my eyes. Again, I'm not saying you will. I'm just telling you what was happening to me and my experience. I literally had tears welling up in my eyes. I was so I was so inspired and so happy and so joyous watching what I was seeing on screen. I literally had tears in my eyes. I can't remember the last time that happened in a movie. Can't remember. Again, that was my experience. Your experience will be unique to yourself, so maybe very different from mine. I'm just telling you what my reaction to it was. And of course, Rob, I mean, Rob's expectation, I went into Shang-Chi with medium expectations. Rob went into Shang-Chi with super high expectations because he heard my reaction, he heard all the other people's reactions. His expectations were through the roof, but it didn't didn't disappoint him because Rob came out of Shang-Chi and he said these two things. First, he said this movie is a 10 out of 10. Now, I don't know how often Rob gives 10 out of 10s. I've only given 7 or 8 10 out of 10s in my entire movie watching career. The whole time the whole time that I've been online reviewing movies, I've only given a 10 out of 10 maybe 7 times. Right around there. So, I, I don't know if Rob gives them out more liberally or not, but Rob came out and he said this is a 10 out of 10. And he said it is one of the best fantasy movies of the last 25 years. Remember, that's Robert Meyer Burnett saying it, not me. Robert felt it was one of the best fantasy movies of the last 25 years and that it was a 10 out of 10 movie. And that, that's Robert's reaction. Again, it's going to be different than yours. You're going to have a different reaction. We'll see how you feel about it once you see it. But then, you know, a lot of people... People who love to hate get on and say, ah, anybody who's saying they love Shang-Chi is just saying it because they were at a a, a press event, they were at the premiere. That's the only reason they were saying they liked it. Well, then the other night, across 20-plus cities in the United States, they had special advanced screenings just for regular fans. And the reaction has been through the roof. It's been through the roof. Now, What does this all have to do with where we're at right now and Eternals? I think what is about to happen with Shang-Chi two weeks from now is going to determine the future of the Eternals. John, what do you mean by that? This is what I mean. 
Eternals, they're still saying it's going to be a theatrical-only release, right? They're still saying that Eternals is going to be a theaters-only release. That can change, though. And I think what happens with Shang-Chi in two weeks is going to be what decides what happens to Eternals. Because, and uh, by the way, Javon uh, Vanderhorst sends in like a $20 super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Javon. I appreciate that very much, man. Thank you. Uh, anyway, what's going to happen there is going to determine a lot. Because let's let's look at this, okay? Uh, let me bring up X9, uh, X9, F9's, Fast and Furious 9's box office, okay? Let me bring this up here for a second. Okay. Now, we have to understand that right now, what did, what is a good box office result is different than what a good box office result was prior to the pandemic. Let, let's say November 2019, okay? When you look at Fast 9, terrible movie, by the way, but when you look at, and I love the Fast and Furious franchise, did not like Fast 9, but when you look at Fast 9, it made $70 million opening weekend. And while maybe that would not be considered all that impressive, in November of 2019, before the pandemic, I am telling you what, even though I don't like the movie, 70 million opening weekend domestically for Fast 9 in the pandemic era is outstanding. Absolutely outstanding that it was able to pull that off. Now, if we go over to Black uh, Widow and we look at Black Widow, Black Widow did even better. It made 80 million opening weekend. Now, again, if it was November of 2019, we would not look at an MCU opening number of 80 million and thinking it's all that great. It wouldn't be terrible, even pre-pandemic, but it wouldn't be all that great. But in a pandemic era, that's outstanding. That was outstanding numbers. And by the way, our friends Alex Movie Corner and uh, the movie Buffness. I like that name right in Super Chat badges in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that, dude. Um, it, these, these are outstanding results. Obviously, pre-pandemic, not so much. So now we have to look at Shang-Chi. Okay? Now we look at Shang-Chi. And we got to try to figure out what can we expect from Shang-Chi at the box office? Because there's a lot of people that are thinking that Shang-Chi is going to flop, that Shang-Chi isn't going to do so good. I'm starting to see some people now who have seen the movie saying, oh, Shang-Chi is going to be a huge box office hit. Huge box office hit. I believe, and, and I can't say this for 100% certainty, obviously. I believe, let me bring this up here. What does uh, Shang-Chi need? Okay. Let's talk about this for a second. What does Shang-Chi need? So there's a couple things you need to keep in mind when trying to figure out or take a guess at how will Shang-Chi do opening weekend, right? There's a couple things you have to take in consideration. In its pro, um, it's an MCU movie, Right. As a pro, it's an MCU movie. I'll put that as a pro. <laughs> right? So MCU movies generally do well. So it is an MCU movie. It's got that going for it. The other thing we have to take in consideration when trying to guess how Shang-Chi is going to do is it's getting outstanding uh, reactions. Now, 
The review embargo for Shang-Chi lifts on Monday. All right. So Monday is when the Shang-Chi review embargo lifts. So we got a bunch of early reactions out there now, but now we're going to actually get the fully fleshed out reviews that lifts on Monday morning. But I am telling you the reviews and the audience ratings are going to be strong. Not perfect. You're not going to see hundred percent, hundred percent. You're not going to see hundred percent audience ratings, hundred percent critic ratings. You're not going to see that, but they're going to be strong. Okay. So that, uh, that is working in its favor. And in trying to determine how's the opening weekend going to do, it's an MCU movie. That's a pro. It's getting outstanding reactions. That's going to work in its favor. However, however, it's an unknown character. And that's a con. John, I've heard of Shang-Chi. Well, that's great. But my mom ain't never heard of Shang-Chi. All right. Let's just call it what it is. My mom has never heard of Shang-Chi. I, I, I doubt when my mom hears the words, I mean, other than the fact that my mom watches my show. Hi, mom. Um, I doubt if you said Shang-Chi, she would even know it's an MCU movie. That is that is definitely working against it. Um, uh, I, meh, uh, marketing campaign. I, again, maybe some of you guys think the marketing campaign was great. Maybe you think the trailers were outstanding, and that's great. If you thought they were great and outstanding, that's awesome. But me, and I believe most people, thought the marketing campaign, the trailers, were, at best, meh. We'll call, call that a con. I'm not going to say they're terrible. I'm going to say that's a con. That's working against it. So there's that, right? Uh, also, uh, no uh, famous MCU faces. Now, when you had like the new Spider-Man coming out, like when Spider-Man Homecoming was coming out, uh, you know, we got to see John Favreau. We got to see you know, Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. and things like that. And really, there's no faces in there for, for what we've seen with other things too, right? And so that is another thing that's working against it as a con. It's not a death sentence. It's not a deal breaker, but it is a con uh, down here. Now, this will depend what country you're from, but really no big names. No big names. Now, a movie doesn't absolutely have to have big names to do well, but it helps, right? We got Simu Lu, which, you know, good Canadian kid, by the way. But unless you're somebody like me that watched Kim's Convenience, and not a lot of you guys have seen Kim's Convenience. Oh, my God, guys. Watch Kim's Convenience. It's on Netflix. No excuses. Go watch Kim's Convenience. Awesome series. It's two of the best sitcoms of the past five years are both Canadian Schitt's Creek and Kim's convenience. Go watch them. They're incredible. Anyway. So you got Simulu. Yeah. You got Aquafina and Aquafina has been making a bit of a name for herself in the movie world with, um, uh, uh, what is the, the, the long, the last goodbye, the goodbye. Is that what it's called? The goodbye. Great movie, by the way, fantastic movie. Um, she was really good in that. I really liked her in Crazy Rich Asians, but you know, she's not a list name or anything like that. Now, if you are from a different part of the world and you watch, you know, a lot of Asian cinema, you'll know who Michelle Yeoh is, you know who Tony Leung is, all that kind of stuff, but a lot of people won't. 
The farewell. Thank you. Not the goodbye. Everybody in the live chat is saying the farewell. Thank you guys. You're absolutely right. It was called the farewell. Yes. Great movie, by the way. Totally fantastic movie. It's the movie that made me believe that Aquafina can actually act. So yeah, check out the farewell. If you haven't, uh, a lot of people are saying oh, oceans eight. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't think she was. I didn't think Aquafina was all that great in oceans eight. Like I'm saying, Matthew DeFrentes and a couple of other people are saying Ocean's. Yeah, to me, I didn't. Th- I liked Ocean's Eight a lot. I didn't think Aquafina was all that great in it, but she's fabulous in The Farewell. She's really great in Crazy Rich Asians, and I thought she's really good in this. But again, no big names, unless you watch, you know, other kinds of cinema, or you're from a different part of the world. You know, Tony Leung is not a household name in North America, so no big names, and that's working against it as well. So the reality is, oh, and then the other thing, of course, pandemic. I mean, we're still in the midst of the pandemic. This is still a con. So this, there are still, listen, we have seen people every day on the John Campia show writing in to say, I can't wait to go back to the movie theaters, but I just don't feel comfortable doing it yet. Or some of our friends in Australia, some of our international friends and viewers, like in places like Australia or New Zealand, like they're in full lockdown again. So. They can't. So, and even in North America, people who can are saying like, eh, I'm still not completely comfortable going into a movie theater right now. Okay. And that's fair. That's totally fair. But it is another con, right? It's another con. So I believe when you add all this up and some previous examples, so we had F9 made um, 70 mil. Uh, Black Widow made uh, 80 mil. Suicide Squad, what was it? Made 26 mil. By the way, Suicide Squad deserves so much better, guys. Suicide Squad deserved so much better. Warner Brothers stepped up, swung for the fences, took a big risk, went went with a hard R kind of movie, blah. And I thought it was great. Whatever. $200 million movie made 26 million opening weekend. It deserved better. It's a, it's a great movie. Then Free Guy. Excellent movie. It actually, it didn't make much more than Suicide Squad, but it overperformed. Uh, it made $28.5 million. Again, a completely original film. Uh, no recognizable IP. It wasn't a remake. It wasn't a sequel. It wasn't based on a video game. Nothing. And it made $28.5. That's pretty good. So understanding all of our pros and cons. Pro, it's an MCU movie. Pro, it's getting outstanding reactions and will get outstanding reviews from fans and critics alike. But it's got a lot of things working against it. It's an unknown character. It's had a meh marketing campaign. There's no famous MCU characters in it, nor are there any really big famous names that the average North American household will instantly recognize and attach themselves to. And of course, we still have the pandemic going on. So what can we expect? All right, here we go. Shang-Chi... Opening weekend prediction. Here's my guess. I believe Shang-Chi will make between 35 and $45 million opening weekend. Now, if we again go back to November of 2019, by every metric... If Shang-Chi were to open to 35 to $45 million, we would consider that a flop. 
we would consider that a flop if it opened to this. Now, remember, we're just talking about opening weekend numbers, opening weekend domestic numbers. That's why you, you always, whenever you talk about opening weekend, you were always just talking about domestic. All right. Unless somebody else says something else, like say, including international markets. But whenever you just talk about opening weekend, you're always just talking about domestic release. If Shang-Chi were to open prior to the pandemic, like in 2019, a 35 to $45 million opening weekend would be considered a failure. There's no way around it. It would be a failure. I would say this though. I think in a, in the pandemic era, that's got to be considered a win. I think if this movie, like I, I th- what, what's, um, Disney's minimum for Shang-Chi to keep Eternals theaters only. I'm going to guess 45 million. I'm going to guess 45 million. I'm going to guess that if Shang-Chi comes out and makes under 45 million and and don't get too technical i mean if it makes 43.8 it might be good enough but i'm just saying generally speaking i think disney's kind of watermark line on this is going to be 45 million if shang chi makes under 45 million at the box office i believe you're probably going to see them panic and make a very bad decision of making eternals theaters and disney plus and it's a mistake It'll be a total mistake. It'll be yet another big mistake on Bob J. Peck's growing list of big mistakes. But I think that's what they'll do. However, I think if Shang-Chi comes in at 45 or over, I think that gives them enough weight to keep Eternals theatrical only. Now, let me say this. What if the reviews are even stronger than anticipated? So what happens? Anticipated? How did I miss the A? Anticipated. Um, Let's say the reviews come out and more critics and more of the early audiences that saw it that get to start putting their reviews up on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. What if more of them liked it as much as I did than I think? Because remember, I think almost everybody, not everybody, but I think almost everybody's at minimum going to like Shang-Chi. It's, it's just that good. I think almost, almost, almost all film is subjective. So clearly some people aren't going to like it and that's perfectly fine. But I think the vast majority of people who Shang-Chi at minimum will like it. Not necessarily love it to the high heavens the way I do. But what if they do? What if they do? Like what if the full reviews come out and you start getting to see these Uh, hundreds, tens of thousands of people who got to see Shang-Chi across the country the other day in those early screenings, and they start posting their reviews on Rotten Tomatoes as well because they'd be verified, verified views. What if more of them liked it as much as I did than I think they will? What if they are saying this is a, this is going to be an Oscar. I don't, this isn't the type of movie that gets Oscar nominations, but maybe it does. Maybe Shang-Chi gets nominated for an Academy Award. I don't know for best picture. I would. But whatever. But what if that happens? Well, if that happens, I'm going to adjust my my numbers. Because if that happens, I'm going to put uh, Shang-Chi uh, opening weekend 
I'm going to adjust that to 50 million all the way up to 70 million. John, are you saying this, this Shang-Chi movie that has unknown characters, it's a brand new IP, it's had mediocre marketing, it's had no famous MCU faces in it, there's no big names and we're still in pandemic. John, are you saying that if everybody likes it as much as you did, that this thing could could theoretically maybe open as big as Fast 9? It's possible. All the things being equal, I still think 35 to 45, but if the reviews come out that are and they're even stronger than I think they will, I think that could cause a massive movement of word of mouth and maybe we could see 50 to 70. So I am curious right now. We got like 3,000 of you guys watching live right now during this live stream. So I am curious. Give me a number. Jump into the live chat right now. Give me a number. What do you think the opening weekend for Shang-Chi will be? And and let's not... uh, We got last night saying 60. I'm seeing 65. Okay, red and silver games, man. I love, I love your uh, enthusiasm, but you're saying a hundred million. I can't see it beating Black Widow. I mean, I hope you're right. I hope you're right, but I can't see it beating Black Widow. I'm seeing a lot of fifties, like from OCM, Rick, Dylan, uh, PZX is saying sixty. Nick is going high at seventy-five million. Uh, Tony Ollie is saying ninety-five million. I think that's a little, little optimistic. I like it. I like it, but I'm seeing mostly a lot of you guys are saying, seeing, saying between the 45 and $65 million mark. I'm seeing a lot. I'm seeing a lot of 50s. I'm seeing a lot of 60s. I'm seeing a lot of 45s. Seeing a couple of 80s in there like Marcel Wani. Uh, Sergio is saying 90. Um, yeah, so it seems like a lot of you guys are falling in that like 45 to 60 range. 45 to 60 range. So... Yeah, but I'm seeing a lot of you guys are also very optimistic. Again, I'm seeing Ribbit Gaming saying 80 million. Uh, Deng Pro is saying 80 million. Uh, Pop Osa saying 80. Ahmad is saying Amy, uh, 80. Claims uh, McKean is saying 100 million. Again, I think that's really optimistic. And then Cooper uh, Merrick is going way out into the universe and saying 150 million. Listen. I think 100 million is super, super optimistic. I will tell you right now, there is no way in hell Shang-Chi is making 150 million opening weekend. There is no way in hell that Shang-Chi is making almost double what Black Widow made opening weekend. No chance in hell. Uh, to quote, you know, Vince McMahon's entrance song, no chance, Da-da. no chance in hell. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. But God, it would be great if it did. So, it's going to be interesting, but I really do think that this is going to determine where we see Eternals. Because if it comes out at $25 million, I am telling you, even though it would still be the right decision to keep Eternals theatrical only, Bob Chapek will make another big Bob Chapek mistake and put it on Disney Premium. Uh, but if it makes over 45, I really believe they're going to keep it theatrical. So this is really going to be big. But Again, it's got a lot of things working against it. But John, I thought you really liked the movie. I do. I I love this movie. I think this movie is fantastic. But you can't. It doesn't matter that I think it's fantastic. You can't ignore the things working against it. Right? It is an unknown character. It had mediocre marketing. You don't see any famous MCU faces. No big name actors in there to draw people in, depending on where you're from in the world. And we're still dealing with a spiking pandemic. The Harsh Truth sends in a super chat badge in live chat. By the way, thank you, Harsh Truth. I appreciate that, dude. So I, it's, I'm just saying it's difficult. 
It's difficult. So we'll see. We'll see. All I can say, though, is, guys, I cannot wait for you guys to watch Shang-Chi. I cannot wait. Now, uh, let me give you a little bit of a temperance here, too, is that if you're somebody who hates like wuxia kind of films, you hate Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you hate Jet Li's hero, you hate, you know, uh, you know, uh, Ip Man and you hate what I mean, if you hate all those kinds of movies, well, I'm I'm, maybe Shang-Chi won't be for you. But even then, I think there's a chance you're going to like it. And, and again, I, I'm not going to give into, go into specifics because we're going to save that for the full review on Monday, but it, it's, hmm, man, it is a standard MCU film. It's a standard MCU movie. It's just executed so well, guys. It's just executed so well. Uh, and by the way, the fresh, I love this username, the fresh Prince of Asgard sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, fresh Prince. I appreciate that very much. All right, guys, listen. With all that down, let's now move on and we'll spend the rest of our time here on this Friday taking your live comments and questions. And the way you get in a live comment or question on the show is really simple. Simply go down into the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. You can just click on that there or you could enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show if it's appropriate for the show. We obviously don't guarantee we'll put it on. And of course, most importantly, you're going to be supporting our channel as you do it. And all of us involved with the John Campion Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Okay, let's jump on over and see what you guys have to say. We're going to start things off here with Willow. And Willow writes... When will you do a show where you, Rob, Aaron, and Kimberly try one of your famous peanut butter, butter, and mayonnaise sandwiches? When we first came to Canada, my parents bought a jar of mayo, but we didn't know how to use it. So we tried making plain mayo sandwiches. Yeah, listen, I love mayo. I love mayo. It's God's condiment. It's the jizz of angels. It's, it's, I love mayo. I put it on, put on my burgers, put it on my hot dogs, put it on my sandwiches. Mmm. Angel jizz, delicious. But even I got to say, yeah, straight up mayo sandwich by itself, probably be not so good. Probably be not so good. And by the way, our friend Javier Reyes sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Javier. I appreciate that, man. Uh, mm, mayo, it's the nectar of the gods, my friends. All right, Ted writes, hey, John. Heard you talking about the Schmodown, and I couldn't agree more. I used to watch and always skip the 15-minute prelude. Now I don't even tune in anymore because I don't want to deal with the drama. I just want to feel smart or dumb with movie trivia. Yeah, so we were we were talking the other day. And listen, I, I do not talk about other YouTube channels on my channel, but Christian's a buddy of mine, so I don't mind I don't mind talking about one of my buddies. What Christian has created with the Schmodown is fantastic. He's created a fantastic game. It's the best movie trivia game in the world. I don't care if you're talking about home board games or video trivia game. The Schmodown is the best movie trivia game in the world. And I don't mind telling you, I actually created a couple of things. I actually came up with a couple of things that are in the Schmodown. Just saying. And what he's created there is amazing. Now, I mentioned this before. I will say it again. Christian knows this. Christian knows I believe this. Um, so this isn't a shock to anything Christian, but I believe my personal opinion, if, if, you know, if Christian made me the chairman of the Schmodown for a month, what I would personally do is I would leave in that WWE flavor a little bit, 
but I would lean more away from it because to me, I think Christian has leaned way too much into it. And while that has appealed to some people very much, I also believe it's alienated a lot of people from the Schmodown. I think a lot of the audience who is not into professional wrestling see all of the antics and the drama and the, all this kind of stuff. And it just turns them off. And I think it's chased. So while, while there are some people that really love that wrestling characters, drama, you know, scripted storylines and thing, everything, there are some people who really love it, but I think for every one person that they've got loving it, I think they've alienated three or four more. And Christian and I disagree on that. And it's, it's his thing, so he can do it. All I know is this. What Christian has created in the Schmodown is the greatest movie trivia game in the world. It's the absolute greatest movie trivia game in the world. And I just, I want to see it succeed. I want to see him take that thing to the levels it can. I just don't, and he knows I feel this way. I just don't know that he can the more and more he embraces the whole WWE-ness of it. I just don't know that he can. But hey, listen, Christian's proved me wrong on more than one occasion, so maybe he will, but yeah, there's that. All right. Uh, and by the way, if you guys have not checked out Christian's movie Trivia Schmodown, you, you should, it's a fun game, man. It's a fun game. It's great to play along as you're watching, and uh, they got some really good people involved there. So anyway, yeah, there's that. Okay, next up, uh, we got Aaron who writes, do you know what? You were absolutely right. Disneyland and Disney World are scams, and they and they just got worse. I don't know if you know about Disney Genie Plus. Don't know about that. Uh, but it is scummy and will ruin the parks completely. Chapek is evil, full stop. Look, I don't think... Let's be clear. As much as I criticize Bob Chapek, um, I criticize his... I don't think Bob Chapek is evil. I don't think he sits down at his desk when he gets to work in the morning and goes, hmm, how can I punch... Homeless little children in the face today. Mm, I don't think Bob, Ch- I don't, I do not believe Bob Chapek is evil at all. Do I believe he's doing a good job running this company? No, I don't. But you know, who the hell am I? I'm a fucking nobody. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I just, as one individual, nobody, I think Bob Chapek has done a pretty piss poor job of running Disney so far. And Hey, he's got big shoes to fill, Right. He's got huge shoes to fill. He's got the shoes of maybe the greatest entertainment executive of all time and Bob Iger that he's trying to replace. And it's going to take time. So I don't know. Like, maybe he'll get way better at it. Maybe he'll get way, way better at it. I don't know. We'll see. But I don't think he's evil. I don't think he's evil. All right, next up. Francisco A. writes, Hey, John, I've pretty much seen all my movies in Dolby Cinema from Marvel to other movies. Now Marvel movies are shot in IMAX, but I've never seen one in IMAX. Should I watch them in IMAX or Dolby? Uh, where I'm from, Dolby has recliners and IMAX doesn't. Yeah, I, from here too. The the IMAX theaters do not have the recliners. The Dolby cinemas do. Listen, there's it, it, it comes back to, again, the debate. If you have the choice to see a movie in IMAX or in the Dolby Prime, I always choose the Dolby Prime, the dual laser projection system, the Atmos sound, the motorized plush leather recliners. To me, it's just a slightly better movie experience. A lot of people, though, prefer the IMAX experience, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Look, end of the day, Francisco, it's a personal choice. I don't think you lose either way. I don't think you lose either way. I think if you walk, if you got a big movie you're looking forward to see, to seeing, um, if you got a big movie you're looking forward to seeing, 
you're not going to lose either decision. If you go watch it in IMAX, you're going to love it. If you go watch it in a, in a Dolby Prime, I think you're going to love it. So I think it's honestly, I would personally go go Dolby Prime, but that's just me. All right, thanks for writing that in, Francisco. Next up, Russell Amador writes, Hey, John, officially, officially feel part of the cool kids. You probably meant feel. Officially feel part of the cool kids club. And to clarify that club, it's the C Shang-Chi two weeks in advance club. Thanks to the IMAX showings. What an amazing ass movie. Can't wait to see what comes next. A new Marvel legend is born. Oh, dude, I'm glad you had. I've had a few people write to me that got to be a part of that group that went to go see it. Again, I think it was 20, 25 cities in the U.S. that held those screenings. I'm glad you had a chance to see it, brother. And I'm glad you had a good time, man. I hope most of you people will uh, as well. All right. Next up, we got Gary Johnson who writes, uh, like you, I have the 2016 Suicide Squad. Oh, I like the 2016 Suicide Squad. Yeah, I like it too. I know a lot of people bash on it and that's fine. I got a kick out of it. I know it's a hot mess of a movie but I still got a kick out of it. Anyway, I really love the music. The music was great. I've been particularly in love with the song Heathens. Oh, I love that song. All my friends are heathens. Yeah, anyway, by 21 Pilots. Been listening to it like crazy ever since. Do you like the song or any other song from the soundtrack? Oh, I love that song. The soundtrack is great, right? Um, Wait for them to ask you who you know. Don't make any sudden moves. Anyway, yes, the song is great. I really do love the song a lot, and I did love the soundtrack. So, uh, and I'm like you, I overall, I do like the film. Okay, next up, uh, Casey McNatt writes, Hey, John, well, I just came back from seeing Shang-Chi, and all I got to say is I really want to see it again. Fantastic movie, pretty much enjoyed it from beginning to end, but there are some questions I feel I need to ask you, but it's going to have to wait. Yeah, obviously, because we don't want to be giving any spoilers away here yet. Well, listen, Casey, congrats that you were one of the people that you got to go see it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. Uh, I had a magnificent time at it. I'm glad you had a good one, too, man. All right, Dumbledore Calrissian writes, one of four. Well, John? I had an incredible weekend at the movies. I saw The Suicide Squad. Nice. Uh, Friday night. Then my wife and I did a free guy Jungle Cruise double feature at the drive-in on Saturday. Nice. Uh, the Suicide Squad was everything I wanted it to be and more. It is absolutely bonkers, hilarious, violent, but beautiful all at once. My second favorite DCU film behind Man of Steel. It might be mine too. Yeah. Man of, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel is still my favorite DCU movie, but I think The Suicide Squad might now be in second place. Um... Free Guy is an absolute wonderful movie. It certainly isn't perfect, but it is a refreshingly original story with tons of heart and laughs. At every point where the concept could have easily been a gimmick, it went completely the opposite way. I agree. I loved Free Guy. I had such a good time at Free Guy. Uh, picture a movie where Indiana Jones meets Pirates of the Caribbean meets National Treasure, but dumb it down a bit and you have Jungle Cruise. It's a fun adventure driven by the chemistry of Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. Very fun. Yeah, I didn't love Jungle Cruise. But it was decent. And, and you're right. It's, it is basically an Indiana Jones. It tries very hard to be, uh, sorry, as I crack open my Zevia, Zevia Cola, sponsor me, you insufferably cheap sons of bitches. Anyway, uh, cracking open my Zevia here. So it, it is exactly that. It's, a, it's an Indiana Jones meets Pirates of the Caribbean. Not quite as good as either, but, you know, it's charming nonetheless and really carried by that chemistry. Um, 
to let the chemistry uh, between Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt really work and shine. And that really carries the movie to me. That, so I didn't love it, but it's good. And it's absolutely carried by that chemistry. I'm glad you had such a good time at the theaters this weekend, Dumbledore. That's awesome. Well done. By the way, I'm going to the movies as soon as we're done today's show. I haven't seen The Protégé yet. The one with Maggie Q and Michael uh, uh, Michael Keaton and Samuel Jackson. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to go watch it this afternoon. So as soon as we're done the show here today, I'm heading over the, the theater to go see that. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, next up, we've got... Uh, Ishmael Montoya, who writes, Hey, John, you've said that the mid post credit scene in Shang-Chi will change the future of the MCU. Yes. Without spoilers, will we see the impacts in phase four or five? I think both. It, again, it's so hard to talk about without giving away a spoiler here, and I'm not going to give away any spoilers. Um, but yeah, both the mid-credits, both post-credit scenes, both the mid one and the one at the very end, because remember, there's two post-credit scenes in this movie. Both of them set up something about the future uh, of where the MCU is going. And at least in some way, right? But the mid-credit scene, most of all, something happens in the mid-credit scene that is clearly opening up something for something major in the MCU. I'm not going to say what it is or hint at anything, but yes, do go and, and yeah, yeah, you'll see what, you'll see what I'm saying. And I believe it's going to have impact in both four and five. I really do. All right. Next up, Wu Chan Wei writes, Hey John, I just got out of an advanced screen of Shang-Chi and it was okay. See, not see guys, all film is subjective. Not everyone is going to come out losing their minds for Shang-Chi. Obviously, Wu Chan Wei is feeling that way as well. It was okay. I'm Chinese, so I really wanted to like it, but I'm, but I tuned out here and there after act one, my ranking for comic book movies released after January 1st of 2020, uh, Zack Snyder's justice league, the suicide squad. Um, uh, where are we next? Uh, Shang-Chi, Birds of Prey, Black Widow, Wonder Woman 84, The New Mutants. To me, the crown jewel of the comic book movies for 2021 is Zack Snyder's Justice League. My God, how epic. Yeah, I didn't think that Zack Snyder's Justice League was great. It's nowhere near as good as his absolute masterpiece, Man of Steel. But it was an improvement over the theatrical version. Of course, it was also insufferably long, but it was uh, a step up. I, I, To me, it's no questions. Shang-Chi is infinitely better than all of them. To, to me, this is the best comic book movie we've had in a long time. But that's my experience. You had a different one, and thank you for sharing your thoughts on that, Wu Chen Wei. I appreciate that a lot. By the way, Dragon 10 sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Dragon 10. All right, next up. Uh, Wu Chen Wei also writes in, my top 10 of 2021 so far, uh, Justice League, The Paper Tiger. That was really fun. I finally did get around to seeing it because it was about a month or two ago. We were sitting around. I had a chance to watch it. Uh, at home and it was really cute it was it was really really cute the way that thing played out i remember we talked about the trailer on it anyway uh in the heights loved in the heights that's another suicide squad and in the heights are going to end up being the two movies of 2021 that so deserved better at the box office and just didn't get it anyway judas and the black messiah um minari summertime a quiet place Two. yeah i think a quiet place Two is either my number one or my number two favorite film of the year. Anyway, Suicide Squad, nobody, nobody was so much fun. And Shang-Chi, there you go. Thanks for sharing your list with us, man. All right, Jeffrey writes. Um, 
Where are we at? Hey, John from Singapore. Watching you and Rob's reaction really pump up my interest on Shang-Chi. Going to camp and book my IMAX tickets. P.S. Mayo rock. So is ketchup on eggs. Oh, it's just even the idea of ketchup being on eggs. It makes my gag reflex trigger. Oh, no, no, no disrespect to anybody who likes putting ketchup on eggs. But you are lesser human beings. I'm kidding. I'm just joking. But but personally, man, I hate ketchup. Just seeing, literally seeing somebody putting ketchup on eggs makes me almost want to hurl. And I get, we all have different tastes, man. We all have different tastes in our food, but oh my God, ketchup on eggs is like, ooh, ooh. Anyway, it's like, I'd rather have pineapple on my pizza. That's how bad I think ketchup on eggs is. I would rather have pineapple on my pizza. Anyway, there's that. Okay, next up. Um, Carl Wolf writes, uh, I trust you and Robert's reviews. I wasn't going to go see free guy, but your review convinced me. Now I'm driving 30 miles to take a girl to see it at her AMC on Friday. I can't wait till Shang-Chi. I love Simu Lu and Kim's convenience from your recommendations. Bring on the filthy. Yeah. I remember it's not about whether you trust our reviews or not, because remember, I'm not you, Carl, right? I don't know you personally. I don't know your specifics, likes, dislikes, your background, your history, what things make you tick. So, I, I mean, I can't speak to what your experience with the movie is going to be. All I can do is tell you my experience. Whether my reaction is a popular one or unpopular doesn't matter. All I can tell you is my experience. So it's not about whether you trust my review or not. I'm just being honest. When, when I like a movie, I tell you I like it. When I don't like it, I tell you I don't like it. It's, it's all I can do. And just let you know what my experience was. I can just tell you what Robert's experience was. But I really do think you're going to have a good time, man. I really do think you're going to have a, a good time. All right, next up. Josh writes, one of two. John, you're amazing. Oh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. The community you've built, the time and effort you give the fans is incredible. As somebody who is stuck in an Australian lockdown, yeah, we were talking about you guys a little bit earlier, man. In an Australian lockdown and being stressed with workload from my law course, you provide me with excitement um, and something to look forward to every single day. Thanks, John, Rob, Aaron, Kimberly, Ann, and everyone else who makes this com community one I'm proud to be a part of. Well, dude, listen, our community is only a community if we have community and it's people like you, Josh, that make this place a community. Otherwise it's just some stunningly attractive Canadian Greek God, uh, just broadcasting to the empty internet. <laughs> My mom agrees. So shut up. Anyway, uh, it, otherwise it's just me broadcasting out to the internet, right? It's you guys that make the community fun and what it is. And I hope you guys are able to get through the lockdown stuff in Australia and back to the movies just as soon as you can, man, as soon as you can. All right. Next up, uh, Casey McNatt writes, one, hey, John, out of all the movies, um, uh, out of all the movies, where are we at? Out of all the movies coming out this weekend, does any movie interest you and do you plan on seeing one during the weekend? Uh, we have Paw Patrol. Yeah, I have I have no interest in watching Paw Patrol. Um, the Night House. That's interesting. Reminiscence. My. We'll talk about Reminiscence in a second and The Protégé. I'm going to go see The Protégé as soon as we're done the show today. The unfortunate thing with Reminiscence is that the trailer, I believe, was terrible. I mean, it's intriguing, but it doesn't tell you what the movie's about. I have, you know, 
I just don't get how somebody can make a trailer and not within the trailer let us know what is the movie about. Just tell me what it's about. You don't have to give away spoilers. You don't just just tell me what's the story about. And it doesn't give us that. And then I wasn't surprised to see that they held the review embargo very late. And then when the reviews did come out, they were lackluster at best. Like, let me, if I go over and take a look at this, I'll say reminiscence, Rotten Tomatoes. The last I checked, I think it was at 46%. Oh my God, it's dropped. It's now 37%. It's now 37%. So I will see it because it's Hugh Jackman. Because it's Hugh Jackman, I will go to see this. But I, I, it's no longer like high on my priority list to get out and watch. Now, I can't watch any movies this weekend. This weekend is packed. I've got another dentist appointment tomorrow morning. I then have to be in LA most of the day. Then it's my my uh, my buddy Soul Video, John Green. It's his birthday, so we're having a big birthday dinner celebration at my favorite restaurant, actually, out in Los Angeles. That's my whole day gone. Sunday, Ann and I have plans all day Sunday. And then Monday, I leave for, for Comic-Con, or Comic-Con. I leave for CinemaCon on Monday. So I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to get a chance to see Reminiscence, but I, I will watch it, but I'm giving Protégé the priority. I'm giving the Protégé the priority. I'm going to go see that today. And I'll do my right out of the theater uh, reaction to that once I see it, and I'll, I'll put it up on the YouTube channel today. All right, thanks for asking, man. Next up. Um, oh, that was part one. Sorry, There's is there a part two? Nope, that doesn't seem to be a part two. Okay, anyway, uh, Sonny Claire writes, Hey, John and crew, love the show. Thank you so much, Sonny. Uh, if you hadn't live streamed last night, so that was actually two nights ago that I live streamed, I wouldn't have stayed up late. Then I wouldn't have seen the Eternals trailer as soon as it dropped. So thank you. Uh, hearing great Shang-Chi news too. Very excited for the MCU movies. Dude, I'm telling you what, how good was that Eternals trailer? Because listen, I liked the last Eternals trailer more than most people did. I mean, I didn't think it was the craziest, greatest thing ever, but I liked it. I think a lot of people didn't like it. Oh my God, this trailer though? Mm, man. Loved it. And you know, one of the YouTube channels I really like to follow is Comics Explained. That dude, that dude has a communicating gift. I don't know if any of you guys watch Comics Explained. Like, just let me know in the live chat if you, just say yes, if you if you also watch some of Comics Explained videos. He's really good. But anyway, He's created uh, another channel called like uh, uh, Geek Culture Explained or something. Like a lot of you guys watch it. Yeah, it's called Geek Culture. It's not as good as his comics explain stuff, but I watched his trailer reaction to it because this guy knows everything about comics, right? Like he's he, like he's John Schnepp level. He might even be above John Schnepp. I mean, I, I mean, that's I mean, as far as just just pure comic book knowledge, but he's at least on John Schnepp level. Right. And that's. That's celestial level comic book knowledge. And like, I just watched loving him. Uh, he really freaked out over this trailer. He loved it. I loved it. Then I had a buddy of mine, a big Hollywood producer, buddy of mine. I'm not going to say who or, or what he's done, but I had a big Hollywood producer, buddy of mine, because he watches my show. 
and he saw me freaking about trailer and he texted me like as soon as my show was done he texted me how can you possibly like that that trailer was terrible they they didn't do a good job with, with that at all that trailer was absolute garbage i'm like dude i don't know what to tell you i thought it was fantastic I th- and I'll tell you why I thought it was fantastic. Let me, I don't have my phone right here with me. Let me see if I can bring up my text messages on my computer here. Um, give me a second here. Where is, okay. All right. This is what I told my buddy when he asked me, how could you possibly like, um, can, and, and my buddy loves a lot of the movies that I love. Right. But he's like, how can you possibly like this? This terror, this trailer was terrible. Blah, blah, blah. And, and what I wrote in response was, I said, look, I thought it was fantastic. It gave us the scope of the mythology and understanding of who these characters are and what they're doing here. It gave us the setup of the basic conflicts driving the narrative. The humor was on point and the action felt like it had high stakes. So yeah, I was blown away by it. So that was my response to my buddy. Now, not everybody loves this stuff, but yeah, I thought it was great. I thought the trailer was great. I'm glad you had a chance to watch it, Sonny. All right, next up. Um, where we had Jamie writes is Shang-Chi filmed in IMAX. I'm not sure I've heard it is, but I don't know if that's hundred percent factually true or not. I, I don't know. Or is it a Limax? Uh, is it used like how Christopher Nolan uses IMAX presentation where the aspect ratio changes? The aspect ratio does not change during the movie. Uh, throughout or does it only change in certain scenes? Is it worth seeing in 70 millimeter IMAX? Again, um, it, I IMAX isn't even my preferred viewing theater of choice. It's amazing. It's fantastic. But I will always say go to Adobe AMC Prime. That, that I'll always tell people to go to that instead. I just think overall it's a better experience. But um but so I can't really say because it's like asking me to give you my opinion on the 3D between this movie and this movie. Well, I think all 3D is a stupid useless gimmick. So I'm the wrong guy to ask. So Ah, look, I'll say this. If you have the choice between watching it in IMAX or in just a regular theater, I say watch it in IMAX. The visuals are outstanding. Like the, the art of the movie is fantastic. And so I would say that, but if you have the choice between a a Dolby prime cinema or an IMAX, I would suggest Dolby prime. That's, that's just me. That's just me. All right. Next up. Uh, Wheeler writes one of two. Hey, John. I live in Wales, awesome, uh, in the UK, and recently I saw your topic about Lord of the Rings shooting in the UK instead of New Zealand. Yeah, so the AMC, AMC, the Amazon Lord of the Rings series, they've shot season one in New Zealand, but for season two, they're moving their production out of New Zealand and they're going to shoot in the UK, and we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago. Anyway, uh, I saw you recently saw your topic about Lord of the Rings shooting in the UK, and I wanted to implore you to look at our landscapes and see how I basically live in Middle Earth already, so there is nothing to worry about. Um, and, uh, Wales has the highest number uh, on castles per square mile in the world and has almost 200 mountains and were only about double the size of L.A. County. Tolkien loved Wales and based a lot of his novels around it. Yeah, listen, I, I don't think it's going to be... I don't if if it was going to be a big visual shock, you know, moving season one of Lord of the Rings and 
then season two into a different country. If it was visually going to be really disturbing, like like a, the huge change, they wouldn't have made the change. So yeah, I feel pretty confident, Wheeler, that they're going to be able to figure out a way to just make it feel totally seamless. I, I feel confident it'll probably feel totally seamless. All right, thanks for writing that in, Wheeler. Appreciate that, man. All right, James writes, after watching Shang-Chi, these are my top 10 superhero films. Number one, The Dark Knight. A lot of, that's number one for a lot of people. Number two, Spider-Man 2. Number three, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number four, Logan. Number five, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Number six, Man of Steel. Number seven, Black Panther. Number eight, X-Men, Days of Future Past. Uh, number nine, Venom. Number 10, Shang-Chi and Legends of the Ten Rings. So you put it in your top 10 comic book films of all time. I do too. I have it higher than 10. Like, it's not in my top three. Shang-Chi is not in my top three. And Casey McNatt is writing in the live chat, Venom should not be in the top ten. Says who? Says who, Casey? Just because you didn't like it enough to put it in your top ten doesn't mean James didn't like it enough to put it in his top ten. So stop telling other people what should or should not be in their top tens, brother. All right. But, but I will say this. Um... I would not put um I would not put Shang-Chi personally. I wouldn't put it in my top 3. Like that top 3 is still for the first Avengers movie, Logan, The Dark Knight. In whatever order you want to put them in, but to me that's the creme de la creme, I believe the greatest comic book movies of all time. So that's top 3. But then you get into like 4, 5, 6 and 7. And Shang-Chi, like, I, I'm not going to try to place Shang-Chi where it goes in my top 10 of all time, because it is in my top 10 of all time. How high? I'm not really sure yet. I need I need to let it marinate a little bit longer before, because I don't want to jump the gun and say, it's the number four greatest of all time. Like, I don't want to jump the gun on that. I want to let it marinate a little bit, and then I'll do that. But I, I think it's definitely in my top 10, and I think me personally, I think I will have it higher than um i think i will have it higher than um than tenths i I think it's probably going to be in that four five six or seven spot i'm not sure where yet still struggling a little bit but i'm glad you had such a good time with it that you put in your top 10 of all time thanks for that man all right uh next up we go to, that was James. Now we're at, oh, sorry, there was the part three of three for Wheeler. Anyway, uh, the Elven language was based on the Welsh language and based on a lot uh, a lot of uh, place names on Welsh palaces or places. Uh, have a quick search on uh, Brecon, huh, Brecon, Brecon's, and Raglan Castle on Google. Just a quick example of Wales. These are both within 20 miles of my house. Oh, yeah, man, of that I have no doubt. I have no doubt the landscape. I mean, a lot of stuff has been shot in Wales, and it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. So I have no doubt, Wheeler. I have no doubt they're easily going to be able to make that transition from New Zealand to Wales and visually make it seem absolutely seamless. I have no doubt about it. All right, thanks for sharing that, dude. Uh, Guy Fox, JLT, writes, Hey, John, you said a few years ago, Kevin Feige done everything possible in Marvel. Do you think the problem with Bob Chapek, he could move to DC or another studio? Yeah. Listen, even without the problems with Bob Chapek, I don't believe Kevin Feige is going to be at Marvel for too much longer. I, I believe, and this is just me speculating, 
I believe within three years he'll be gone. I think a couple of years ago, ago, I said within five, maybe maybe shorter. I don't know. But right now, I think within three years, he'll be gone. Um, just because at some point, you've done everything there is to do. You've done everything there is to do. You've made movie, you've made comic book movies that have gotten Best Picture nominations at the Academy Awards. You made a movie that for a while was the number one box office movie of all time in Endgame. It's not anymore, but it was for a bit. Endgame was the number one box office movie of all time. You've created a string of billion-dollar films. The likes will never be done again. There's just nothing left for him. There's, There's no more mountains for him to climb. All there is now is details. You know, okay, bring X-Men in. Yeah. Get the Fantastic Four up and running. Yeah. Uh, You know, move on to the next chapter. Yeah, but these are hills. These are hills. There's no more mountains to climb for Kevin Feige. He's done it all. He's done... I mean, the only thing left for him to do is win Best Picture at the Academy Awards. I mean, that's that's it, really. And that's the, the, that's out of your control because you can't control if somebody else makes a better movie than you that year. So it's kind of outside of your control. So I believe within three years, Kevin Feige is going to look for his next mountain. What is his next big challenge? And whether that is moving over to Warner Brothers, that'll be under new ownership, take over DC... And what, like, oh my God, if you think, if you think that Kevin Feige already has a great legacy, and of course he does, but if you think Kevin Feige already has a great legacy, imagine the legacy of Kevin Feige if he did what he did at Marvel and then went over to Warner Brothers and brought DC to that kind of level, godlike status. Godlike status. Small G, nobody get upset for blasphemy. Small G. Godlike status. He's like he's already got a firm, firm legacy in Hollywood, but he will be considered not only one of the great, you know. You know, genre, he'll be considered one of the greatest producers in the history of Hollywood. Maybe the greatest producer in the history of Hollywood if he can go over. It's like a coach winning, you know, five Super Bowls with one team and then moving over to a different team and then taking them to five, winning five Super Bowls. His, he will have a unique golden throne in the halls of Valhalla if he were able to do that. And when you're Kevin Feige, do you aim for anything less now? Is there any other mountain nearly as challenging to you than that? Now, I'm not saying when he goes, um, I'm not saying when he goes, it'll be to DC or Warner Brothers. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying he's going to need a challenge that presents him with something challenging that he no longer has at Marvel. And illustrate he doesn't have any challenges left. What what challenges does he have that's left that aren't minor compared to what he's already accomplished? Well, he's got to bring in the X-Men. That's minor compared to what he's already done. 
Well, he's got to he's got to bring in Galactus. Okay, that's yeah, cool, but that's minor compared to what he's already accomplished, right? I'm not saying I want Kevin Feige to leave. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I want him to leave. I'm just saying, what other challenges does he have left? Now he's just doing maintenance. Now he's just sweeping up. Now he's just keeping things tidy. Now he's just keeping the house in order. He's built the car, and now he's just doing maintenance on it, keeping the oil topped up, making sure it's got windshield wiper fluid, you know, waxing the car once in a while. But the the, the car's already been built. It's this well-oiled, firing-on-all-cylinders machine, and all that Kevin Feige's doing now is maintenance. And when you are a titan... Like Kevin Feige, you're gonna be, you're gonna start drooling. Your 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 nerves are gonna start twitching your body, looking for that next challenge. Something that can actually challenge you, you know. And I don't believe he's gonna get that challenge. Still running, doing Marvel. I I think he needs to move on. Whether it's to running Lucasfilm, maybe staying at Disney and now running Lucasfilm. Whether that means moving over and running DC, maybe it means. You know, moving over to something like Universal and starting a whole new division of things. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, that was a really long answer for a very simple question. Sorry about that, Guy. Okay, uh, we move on now. Next, uh, that was Guy Fox. Next up, we go Ryan Loner, who writes, one of two. The greatest compliment uh, that I can give to the Suicide Squad is that by the time it cuts back to Harley in the pit, I was already having so much fun with it. All the other characters that I'd actually kind of forgotten, she was also in the movie. Uh, con- contrast this to how my response in the first movie would have been, oh, thank God, we're finally back to the one good thing in this dumpster fire. Yeah, right? I mean, because to me, look, honestly, there are other decent things about the first Suicide Squad, but when I think about the first Suicide Squad movie, I instantly think of Joker and Harley Quinn. Now, I know there are a lot of people who didn't like the Jared Leto Joker in that. That's fine. I thought the Jared Leto Joker was really good. Not as good as Joaquin's Joker. Not as good as Heath's Joker. Not as good as Jack's Joker. But I thought it was quite good and very unique. It was a very unique Joker. And I loved that poisonous, destructive, vile toxic codependent relationship between Joker and Harley Quinn. Whenever the two of them were on screen together, I couldn't look away. I I think that movie needed a whole lot more of Joker and Harley together. I really, I think the DC universe needs Joker and Harley together. I really do. I think they need it. But when I think of that movie, you're right. That's what I think of. I don't think of Will Smith and I'm a big Will Smith fan. I don't think of Diablo. I don't think of Captain Boomerang. I don't think of the Enchantress. I don't think of Waller. I don't think of any of them. Whenever I think of that Suicide Squad, I just think of that Harley and that Joker. So yeah, I I agree with you, Ryan. I totally do. Whereas in this Suicide Squad, she's just kind of in the mix. The Harley character, the Harley Quinn character, is just in the mix because they had so many great characters. Ratcatcher Two is a great character. Polka Dot Man's a great character. Dead uh, Bloodsport, I keep wanting to say Deadpool. Bloodsport is a great character. Um, Peacemaker is a great character. I So she just fits in. So I agree with your assessment on that. I really do. I agree with your assessment. All right, next up, we got Enja who writes, why didn't you help them fight Thanos? We were instructed never to interfere unless deviants are involved. Yeah, but Thanos was a deviant. Didn't you read Jack Kirby's comics? Well, poop. Again, this is one of those things 
By the way, Thanos is not a deviant in every incarnation in the comic book. Just be clear about that. There's there's massive, massive, massive inconsistency even amongst the comic books, right? Even the the role of Celestials has changed over the years. So, yeah, and, and of course, the ultimate rule, don't forget that the comics are the comics, the movies are the movies. They're two different things. They can borrow from each other, they can do all that kind of stuff, but they're not just because it's one way in the comics and there's a different dozen different ways it is in the comics, but just because it's like one way in the comics doesn't mean it's going to be there, but you know that already. All right. Tribal chief rights. One of two. Um, I think now why you hated thunder force Netflix clearly, uh, meddled with, with, uh, I, what are you writing? Um, net Netflix clearly meddled with it. And it wasn't, Ben Falcone's true vision. Clearly there's a hunger out there for this property and Netflix needs more subs. So I think Netflix should spend 70 million so that he could see his vision fully realized, spend a ton of money on reshoots. Hell make this new version four plus hours and super dark and edgy. Call it release the thunder force cut on Twitter and watch the subs flow into Netflix and make part of a fan base and make a part of a fan base uh, that's already entitled, even more entitled, and them saying restore the Thunder Force universe on Twitter. I mean, clearly it worked for Warner Brothers, HBO Max, and DC with the Snyder Cut. Oh, wait, never mind. Ah, that's that's cutting, Tribal Chief. That is cutting. Release the Thunder Force. Cut. Yeah, it's kind of cutting. You know, I, I'll just say this. It's really unfortunate because the majority, and I believe this, I really do. I believe the majority of the people who just as fans really just wanted to see what Zack Snyder's original idea and blueprint of Justice League was going to do. I think the vast majority of the people who are getting behind that whole Snyder cut movement thing, I think they were just good fans who just wanted to see what that movie was going to look like. I really do. But in like a lot of fandom, you get this toxic, cancerous kind of pocket of it that kind of poisons the whole well, right? And I think that's really unfortunate because Warner Brothers, once again, proves that no good deed goes unpunished. So Warner Brothers says, you know what? Okay, we'll we'll spend the 70 million to make this Snyder Cut thing because it never existed until they did. We'll, we'll take the edit that Snyder had. We'll put in $70 million. We'll let him actually make it and complete it. And we'll let you guys have it. Here's our gift to you. And what did Warner Brothers get in return for that huge financial investment for that generous olive branch to those people who wanted to see it? What did they get in return? Nothing good. They didn't get nearly the amount of new subscribers to HBO Max as they thought. And many of them who did sign up instantly unsubscribed once the Justice League movie was out. And then on top of that, instead of having those fans say, thank you, Warner Brothers, for giving this to us. You didn't have to do it. You spent $70 million so it could actually come to fruition and be a real thing. You put it out. You marketed it. And you let us watch it. Thanks for doing that. Is that what they did? Nope. 
They then follow that up by going, now fuck you, Warner Brothers. Now give us everything. Now give us give us back the Zack Snyder universe. And you do It's like, I think the words you're looking for are thank you. But instead of doing that, they turn on Warner Brothers even more. Proving the old adage, give somebody an inch, they'll try to take a mile. And the message that they sent to the studios was, if you ever do something a group of fans asks you to do, it's going to shoot you in the foot. It's going to turn on you. It's going to it's gonna go upside down real fast. That's, that's the lesson. That's the message that little pocket of fans fans did. They sent a message to the studio that if you ever do something that we're asking for, we're going to be ungrateful and we're going to turn on you even more. That's the message that got sent to the studios. That's certainly the message that Warner Brothers got. And it's it's just really unfortunate. Because I believe this. I believe that if you know they had put that movie out, if collectively they all said, hey, we, the fan community, want to say thank you to Warner Brothers for putting up the money, making this thing a reality, and putting it out there for us to watch. Thank you. And if they, you know how they did with buying billboards on the highway saying, release the Snyder Cut. If they took it, if they put that kind of energy, put up billboards that just said, hashtag, thank you, WB. Or if they, if they did any of that stuff, I think more things like what happened with that Snyder Cut thing could happen in the future with other movies and other projects and other fan movements. If they had put as much energy into thanking Warner Brothers for doing something they didn't have to do, if they had put as much energy in saying thank you as they did demanding that they give them something, I think it, it may have changed the way moving forward how fandom and and thing and studios interact. And, and it could have been a really positive, beautiful thing. But instead, what happened was what a lot of people predicted would happen. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I see a really stupid comment in the thing is what Warner brothers did was the bare minimum guy. They put up, they didn't have to do squat and they put up $70 million to like, you know what the bare minimum would have been? The bare minimum would have been to do what I suggested long before they ever announced it. Take the edit as it is and just release it. Even though it's completely unfinished, release it. So the fans can see kind of what it was going to be. That would have been the bare minimum. Putting up $70 million and committing loads of resources for them to finish it and putting it up on HBO Max and all that kind of stuff, that's not the bare minimum. That's not the bare minimum. That's an un- that's an ingrateful thing to say. It wasn't the bare minimum. Considering they had already spent hundreds of millions of dollars on the movie. They had already sunk hundreds of millions of dollars into that movie. And then they put 70 more million, which by the way, was all losses, all losses. They lost all of it. They lost it all. Gone. Poof. $70 million gone. And instead of then banding together 
and putting as much effort into saying thank you to Warner Brothers, which could have changed everything moving forward. Because if they had done that, the message to the industry would have been, hey, when you, the studios, respond to like fan movements, good things happen. But instead, the message they sent, yeah, when you give us an inch, we're going to try to take a mile. And when you give us anything, we're going to turn on you even harder. So now what's, what are the rest of the studios going to do? Fuck that. <laughs> Screw all that. We are never, ever going to get behind any of this shit again. Because we saw what happened when Warner Brothers tried to do it. When Warner Brothers tried to do it, they just doubled their efforts in turning on them. And they've ruined things for everybody else. It's unfortunate because the movie itself ended up being better than the theatrical version. But, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, and by the way, uh, Meshach82 sends in, I think you did this the other day as well. Meshach82 just sent in a $50 super chat badge in the live chat. Not even a question or anything. Just put in to be supportive. Meshach, thank you so much. Very much. It's incredibly supportive. That's incredibly generous of you. So thank you so much for that kind of uh, support. I really, really appreciate that very, very much. I wish there was more I could say. Um, anyway, let's move on here, shall we? Next up, um, Ben Rayner writes, I keep on going to the wrong screen. I keep on going over to the reminiscence, seeing if that tomato meter drops any further. Okay, we move over here now to Ben Rayner who writes, one of three. John, I hope you had a great weekend. I'm about to have a great weekend, I hope. Uh, talking about one-season shows, have you ever seen the show Life on Mars? I never did. No, I never did watch that one. It's about a cop from 2008 who gets hit on the head and wakes up in the 70s. The whole season is about him figuring out, uh, figuring why and if he could get back. The cast is good with Harvey Keitel, Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos. By the way, Michael, Michael Imperioli, uh, true story, guys, Michael Imperioli from Sopranos was also the co-star or the main lead star of an ABC show called Detroit 187. And the reason I bring that up is because he, his main, one of his main co-stars in that show was Aaron Cummings. Aaron, that was Aaron actually had to move to Detroit for that show. She was a series regular on that show and she worked with Michael Imperioli on that. So a little bit, anyway, uh, Harvey Keitel, Michael Imperioli from the Sopranos and Jason O'Mara, who is on the, that Terra Nova show. Uh, and it's a great show. And even though it lasted one season, it ended in a solid and satisfying way. It's streaming. Think you would like it. Uh, if you've seen, if you want to know your thoughts, thanks and bring on the filthy. See, I'll be honest. I have a, a problem um, I have a problem that I, I knowing a show got canceled makes it very difficult for me to go and watch it, especially if it's a one season show, right? It's very hard for me to get into because I just know it's going to end in an unsatisfying way, but you're saying it's kind of satisfying. So at some point it's got a great cast. I might have to check it out at some time, Ben. Thanks for putting that on my radar, dude. All right. Uh, Kay Walton is saying in the live chat that they remember life on Mars and uh, 73 uh, Rich G is saying that it was a good show as well. So I might have to check that one out. Thanks for putting it on the radar, dude. All right. Double B Studios writes, I catch myself humming the music from the newest Eternals trailer. I keep watching it and I just bought tickets for IMAX screening of Shang-Chi and I've never bought tickets this early before, but I must see this film after watching a lot of non-spoiler reactions. And by the way, can I just say you mentioned humming the tune from the trailer? 
The music in Shang-Chi is amazing. The score, like this, this Chinese, like, uh, I don't know how to describe the, what, what, how you would describe this music, but the, that, that classic Chinese Kung Fu kind of music that you'd get in the background stuff. It was awesome in this movie. It's totally awesome in this movie. I, I love the music in it. I hope you do too, man. All right. Uh, next, again, I went, <laughs> I went back over to the reminiscence screen. Uh, that was Double B Studios. Next up, we got Dangerous D who writes, uh, Hi, John. Pacquiao versus Ugas fight is getting close. I already ordered the fight. I know you said Errol would win, but, the, but in the fight with Pacquiao, but given that Errol had to withdraw because of a torn retinia, uh, who would you pick to win, Pac or, or Ugas? And who does your wife pick? I actually switched it. More importantly, is who my wife's brother picked. My brother-in-law, Ray, who you sometimes see in the live chat, and he does most of the graphics on the show. He works with me every day. Ray is very, very knowledgeable about boxing. He is very much into boxing heavily, and he knows all the fighters and all, like, he follows boxing a lot. And um, he thinks Pacquiao is going to win this fight. He, he also thought Errol was going to win the other one. But against this guy, he seems to think that Pacquiao is going to win the fight. So um, I'll, I'll go with Ray on this. I'll go with Ray. Now, look, Pacquiao's getting older, man. He's getting, I mean, time catches up to everybody. He's getting a little bit older. And it's been a beat since his last fight. So I don't know. But Ray seems to think he can still beat this guy. So let's see. All right. Next up, we got Stubble McShave writes. You misunderstood my point in comparing box office to PVOD. Since the reported uh, PVOD numbers are worldwide, the Disney Plus experiment was even worse than they made it seem. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because it being worldwide, they they shouldn't claim they almost made the same amount of money on POD as box office. I see what you're saying. So yes, 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 yes. Because they reported their Disney Plus money but it was the worldwide when they were talking about compared to its box office money, they were only talking about the box office domestic. Yes, that was listen. Disney's been doing a lot of fast talk lately and a lot of double talk trying to make things look like they were doing better than they actually were. Uh, and that is a good example of that stubble. So thank Yep, yeah, It didn't, you, your last one did not come across clear. That came across clear. Thank you so much for your consideration and, and clarifying that. Cause yes, I agree with you. I completely believe that that's true. All right. Uh, next up dangerous D writes, Hey John, fun question. I saw in a companion video that you don't like ketchup on potato or that you don't like ketchup potato chips. True. But do you like banana ketchup? Never tried it. And what Filipino desserts do you like? Uh, Pulverone and loves that stuff. Tahoe, uh, Puto, uh, Kutsinta, Tehran, Cassava cake, or something else. Bring on the, bring on the filthy, uh, Filipino accent. Bring on the filthy. Yeah. I listen to my mother-in-law all the time. Um, I am not familiar with any of that. The one Filipino dessert that my wet, well, what's the purple What's the purple stuff, like the purple cake? What's what's that called again? Guys, if any of you know Filipino culture or if you are Filipino, what is that purple cake again? I'm tempted to put the show on pause and run into the other room and ask my wife what it's called. Ube, thank you, Beckett. Beckett and Dominic Martinez. So the, the there's a few Filipino desserts that are like based on ube cake. And it's pretty good. Everybody seems to know it. Sean, Rick, 
Darth Primus, John AM, 73, and everybody knew Ube except me. Anyway, so yeah, it's Ube. Um, that shit's actually pretty good. Now, the other thing, the other thing, and apparently this is huge, and my wife and her family love it, and I'm going to lie to you. To me, it looks disgusting. Do you guys know what I'm about to say? A classic Filipino, like hugely popular Filipino, like a dessert or treat, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to see if anybody knows what it's going to be. And by the way, he's mentioning ketchup potato chips. For some reason, ketchup potato chips are very big in Canada. I differ from many of my Canadian brethren. I don't like ketchup potato chips. All right. Beckett is the first one. And so is Hoser Mies. Halo, halo. Halo, halo is huge. Let me see if I can bring up an image. So literally, hollow hollow means, you want to know what it means? Literally, it means mix mix. It means mix mix. They literally take, as far as I can tell, they take anything they can and throw it, just throw it in there. They, they, they just take anything. <laughs> Put some ube ice cream on it, throw it into like a parfait glass, and you just mix it up. It's called hollow hollow or mix mix. My wife and her family love this shit. It is some of the most disgusting looking thing to me I can possibly imagine. Like I feel like I could I could eat ketchup on eggs. Before I could eat hollow, hollow, other than the ube ice cream on top, I could totally eat the ube ice cream on top, but it's massively popular with, with amongst the Filipino community, massively popular. Now, granted, I have a very vanilla palate to, I, I really do. I have a very plain vanilla palate. I really do. But yeah, it just, it's just mix, mix. They put whatever in it. And I've never seen two servings of hollow, hollow that look the same. Never seen it. So, yeah, other than, um, like, I love adobo. Particular, I know chicken adobo is more popular. Be, a pork adobo or beef, you know, pork adobo is, I love pork adobo, man. I love it. I can, I can eat that all day. And uh, lumpia, I, lo- I really love lumpia. I've really acquired a taste for lumpia. Um so there's a few things, but honestly, other than those two things, I'm not really big on Filipino cuisine. Don't tell my mother-in-law that, but I'm not really big on Filipino cuisine. But if they've got adobo and they got lumpia, I'm set. I'm totally good and ready to go. All right. Next up there. A little bit of a world culinary uh, discussion for you guys. Uh, okay. Let's see what's next. That was Dangerous D. Next up is Tribal Chief for Rights. Buy one, rent one, lose one. Fast nine, rise of Skywalker and doodle. Oh, dude, fuck you. <laughs> Just fuck you. That's horrible choice. Oh, those are horrible, horrible choices. Okay. Um, okay. Let's just see. Buy one, rent one, lose one. All right. I'll buy rise of Skywalker because as, as much as I hate it, it is the massively drug addicted, unemployed loser uncle in the family that nobody likes and nobody talks about, but it's, he's still a part of the family, even though you're totally humiliated by him and you wish he would just kind of move away 
every family has one of these guys, but he's still family. As horrible as The Rise of Skywalker is, it is still a part of the Star Wars family. You don't want to sit at the same table with them at the family gatherings. You don't want to ask him what's been going on with him because it just totally ruins your mood. You don't want to have any, you don't want him to even be in the family pictures. But at the end of the day, he's still in the family. That's the rise of Skywalker. So if I had to pick one to buy, I'm guessing it would be Rise of Skywalker. Rent one will be Doolittle because as bad as it is, I never had any expectations, right? Doolittle's terrible, but I had no expectations. So I'll buy Rise of Skywalker because it is part of the family. I will rent Doolittle because as bad as it is, I didn't have expectations. And I will lose Fast 9 because I do like the Fast and Furious franchise very much. And I hated this movie. So not only was it a bad movie, it was also a huge disappointment for me. So buy, <laughs> buy Rise of Skywalker, rent Doolittle, lose Fast 9. So that's, yeah, that's how I'll, I'll write that. Anyway, uh, Jonathan writes, so. The new Eternals trailer was flipping amazing. Wasn't too excited to see this movie as I have no clue who these people were. And I was afraid it turned into Inhumans 2.0. Dude, you're not alone in that. Uh, but this got me excited. Good job, Marvel. Look, making a great trailer, there's just a few key things you got to hit. Let us know who the characters are. Give us an idea about what the story is. And then give us a couple of shots that give us, get us excited. They did that with the Eternals trailer because whereas a lot of people still had no idea what was going on when they saw the first Eternals trailer, this Eternals trailer sets the table for us. It set the table. The meal is now ready to be served because the table has been set. We know that we now know who the characters are. We know why they're there. We know what their motivation is and we know the basic conflicts that are going to be driving the narrative. We know now basically what this movie is about. And that will get audiences excited. And I agree with you, man. They did a great job with that trailer. Absolutely did a great job with the trailer. All right, next up, uh, Jonathan writes, also, in the Eternals trailer, when they showed the guy with the laser beams, I was like, oh shit, it's Superman. Uh, kidding, it's not, but still. Just imagine normal audience goers thinking, oh cool, Superman is in this movie. I don't, I don't, like, while there is a power, but look, how many characters have super strength? And nobody thinks, oh, it's Superman just because they have super strength. How many people are bulletproof in superheroes, right? Tons of them, but they don't go, oh, look, it's Superman. A lot of characters have you know, super speed, but they don't go, Oh look, it's Superman. So there's no reason why Superman should be the only comic, the only character on screen that can shoot lasers out of his eyes. I mean, there's Cyclops, right? Cyclops there too, but eh, it might confuse some people. Maybe, maybe possibly. All right. Uh, not Kevin Feige writes, uh, the Eternals say they don't go after the deviants, but isn't Thanos a deviant as well? Uh, not here. He's not. He's not here. Uh, Donnie Dusk writes, I'm in love with the Eternals trailer, but I find it weird that a final trailer dropped less than two weeks before another MCU movie premieres. I agree. That, that to me, was the one interesting thing about this, about the timing of it. Because it's, it's not a bad distance away from when the movie comes out. But why shift the conversation to Eternals 
when you should be spending all of your energy on getting everybody aware of and talking about Shang-Chi. It's a, I don't know, maybe they just felt like with all the positive energy out there right now because of Shang-Chi that they thought maybe this is a good time to drop this trailer to ride that wave of enthusiasm. Maybe that might be it, but I agree. It was an interesting decision. Uh, by the way, Thorgy Hemsworth, <laughs> Thorgy Hemsworth sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Thorgy. Appreciate that. Okay, let's keep going here. Next up, we've got uh, Fritz the Cat who writes one of two. Hey, John, I agree with you that Shang-Chi will likely open a good bit less than Black Widow, but I think the more interesting number will be its second weekend total. I totally I agree. That's going to be a very, very interesting number. We've seen numerous uh, simultaneous theatrical streaming releases, and in every case, the second weekend has just tanked. I think Disney is going to be is going to be much more interested in the legs of Shang-Chi with a theatrical-only model when deciding the future release strategies. You know what, Fritz the Cat? I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a terrific point to bring up because other than Jungle Cruise, which had a respectable 55% drop from weekend one to weekend two. I know 55% sounds like a big number, but that's actually a respectable drop. A lot of these other ones have been dropping 60%, 70%, all this kind of stuff, right? Because no second screening, you know, people aren't going back to the theater to watch the second content, they just watch it on TV, blah, 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 the pandemic, blah, blah, blah. I think you're right. It is going to be very, very interesting to see what the second weekend numbers are. Because if Shang-Chi, let's say, opens to 50 million, let's be really optimistic. Let's be super optimistic for a second. Let's say Shang-Chi opens to 50 million. If it can come out in weekend two with like 25 million or 26 million or 24 million, that would be huge. If it could take like a 50 to 54, 55% drop, I think that would be huge for them. I think it would. Again, depending on how much money it makes in its opening weekend. Because if Shang-Chi makes like 70 million opening weekend, which I don't really think it will, but let's aim for the sky here. Let's aim for the sky. Let's say it makes 70 million opening weekend. Well, then that means that a hell of a lot of people went to go see it opening weekend. So there'll be fewer people left to see it second weekend. So then it might take a bit more of a drop. I don't know. But I think you're right, man. The second weekend number is going to be very, very interesting to keep our eyes on. Thank you for bringing that up, Fritz. All right, next up. Um, let's see. Initial D's rights. Here's six nine. Here's six sixty nine for the John Campia. Um, OF. I don't know what OF means. John, you made me LOL for real. I I don't know what that's in. <laughs> I don't know what that is referring to. I wish. Does any? Do any of you guys know what he means? Oh, OnlyFans, right? The John Campia OnlyFans. Yeah. By the way, have you guys seen what's going on with OnlyFans? Have you guys seen what they're do what's going on with OnlyFans right now? OnlyFans is going to ban pornographic material. It's like what? That's like saying, "Welcome to Ben and Jerry's. We don't allow ice cream here." What? Why the hell do you think they're why why do you think people go to Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> They're going to Ben and Jerry's for the ice cream. People are going to OnlyFans for the porno. They're definitely going for the porno. Right? 
I mean, so I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's just I just found that very interesting. It's like this thing that has become big because of what it is is going to change what it is. I don't know. And listen, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, bring up the immorality about OnlyFans. Listen to me. You, okay, none of you guys care what I think about this. I know, but just let, let me say my thoughts on that. Can I just say what I think about this? And this will give you a little bit of insight into how I feel about like R-rated material and, and, and things like that. I'm actually a very sex positive person. Um, I, I, I mean, look, and you may hate me for saying this and that's fine. I, if you hate me because I have a different opinion on this than you, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. But to me, sex is sex. Who cares? Like, our bodies are literally designed and made in such a way that we never physically feel better than when we're having sex. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there should be more of it. I think there should be more of it. And listen, if somebody can make an OnlyFans account, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I am not going to lie to you. If I could make a million dollars a month, by pulling out my left testicle and Cardi calling him Eduardo, the bullfighting testicle. I'm not lying. If I could just go yeah, like, right. And pull out Eduardo. John, you named your left testicle. No, but if I did, if I did, if by pulling out Eduardo, the bullfighting testicle, and I drew a little mean looking look on his face, right. If I could do that, and make, hell, take away a million. If I could make $500,000 a month by showing you something God put on my body anyway, oh, hell yes, I'm doing that. I don't care. I don't have, I, I'm not a prude. I don't have, I'm, not over, I'm not overly shy about that. Hell yes, I would do that. If there's some people out there that they can make a living doing that, God bless, as far as I'm concerned, God bless. Now, somebody out there, somebody out there is, uh, is, uh, is, is right now creating the Eduardo, the left testicle bullfighting testicle. Somebody is making that. Yeah, I probably, I probably just opened a Pandora's box. I shouldn't have probably opened that up. I mean, like I'm just saying, that's just me. That's just my worldview on that. Like, am I about to start having sex on only hey fans for money? No. Why? Because nobody would pay to see that shit. But I'm just saying I don't judge anybody who does. That's that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's just me. That's just me. By the way, Daniel Luna sends in a super chat patch in the live chat saying good luck. Yeah, there you go. Uh, like I did propose launching my own reverse OnlyFans. Do you guys hear about this? You should all sign up for this. Uh, it is the John Campio reverse OnlyFans. And instead of sending in money so you can see me doing nasty things, uh, you need to send me $9.99 a month. And if you send me $9.99 a month, I will not pull out Eduardo the bullfighting left testicle. If you don't send me $9.99 a month, you're getting these pictures in your inbox. So... You make up your mind. So it's the John Campia reverse only fans. I think a lot of people will pay me a lot of money uh, to not see Eduardo, the bullfighting left testicle. Just going to throw that out there. All right. Uh, let me see. Next up. How did I get on that? How did, how did we get on that? How do we get on that tangent? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Initial D's put in the six ninety nine for the years for the John Campia only fencing. That's how we got off on that thing. Anyway. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh great Grabthar's hammer. I bet you didn't think that's what we were gonna talk about <laughs> on Friday today. This is what happens when I'm left alone. This is what happens when I don't have adults here to supervise me. When Rob's not here or Aaron's not here. Actually, if Aaron was here, it probably would have gotten a lot worse. That's what happens when Kim's not here or I don't have uh, Greg Alba here. Or I don't have Scott Mance here. When I don't have adults here to supervise me, things can get a little out of hand. So I, I, I apologize for that. I apologize for that. He's like, I didn't tune in to listen to this shit. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Got just a couple of minutes left here, guys. Great Grabthar's Hammer Rights. One of two. That Star Wars Visions trailer was awesome. I agree. I'm not a big anime fan. I'm, other than Rebels, I'm not a big fan of Star Wars animation either, but I really like that Visions trailer. Anyway, the Star Wars Visions trailer was awesome. And of course, it's had some people recall the Animatrix project. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, made back in the early 2000s for the Matrix films. However, I love how Visions truly feels like it excludes that distinct, how it exudes that distinct anime flavor. Uh, that I found the Animatrix lacks. It just felt like a Hollywood studio using an anime art style without that flavor, like a burger without the jizz of the gods. I'm telling you that they should, Hellman's should put that on their bottles of mayonnaise, jizz of the angels or jizz of the gods, whatever. Anyway, uh, also for Kimberly, I highly recommend she watch Cowboy Bebop. I believe she has, I believe I remember Kimberly talking about Cowboy Bebop. So I think she's probably watched it already. Um, the anime, uh, geared towards adults. I think she has mentioned watching um, Cowboy Bebop already, I think. But yeah, I really did like, I really did like that Visions trailer. I really did. All right, James L.H. writes, Hi, John. You and Rob tweeted recently about being accused of either being on Warner Brothers or Disney's payroll. Yeah, it happens all the time. Or both. That means you're accused of playing both sides. So you are Clint Eastwood get, getting, wait for it, a fistful of dollars. Ah, I see you did there. Dastardly plan of you and Rob. Yeah, I mean, look, the reality is we live in a society of mental midgets, right? I shouldn't say that, that's not an appropriate term anymore. I, anyway, uh, uh, let's just say uh, mental insects. We live in an age of mental insects. And in what I call, some people call things certain, um, certain situations, they call it uh, affirmation bias. I call it logic bias, right? There are people who just can't handle when your opinion doesn't line up with theirs. And it doesn't matter where you go. They're in every single demographic, right? So if, you know, if I criticize Bob Chapek, which I have done a lot lately, because I do not like the direction he's taking Disney, blah, all that kind of stuff. I'm just telling you what I think, right? I could be wrong. I'm just, but I'm just telling you what I think. When I talk about that and I say I haven't loved really any of the last three MCU projects, you know, from, you know, I like them, I do, but I haven't been thrilled by them, whether it's Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, Black Widow, whatever. You know, I, I say I'm not going to go to Disney. I've, I've personally, I'm done going to Disneyland. I'm never going to Disneyland again. If I have a kid, and the kid gets a certain age and the kid really wants to go to Disneyland, my responsibilities of a parent will usurp my own personal begrudgment against Disneyland. And I will probably go back to Disneyland then. But talk to me at that time. Other than that, I'm not going to Disneyland anymore. But see, I say all that kind of stuff. And people who are super pro Disney that just can't handle the fact that I have some negative. I love a lot of things about Disney. I do. But I also have some things I don't like about Disney. 
And there are just some people who are big, big Disneyland fans that can't handle that. And so I get hit with every kind of accusation, like everything from the ridiculous Warner Brothers is paying you to talk shit about Disney to um, you're just mad because I come up with every they will come up with whatever excuse they can have to try to discredit an opinion that isn't the same as theirs. Right. Get it all the time. Whether I'm talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whether I'm talking about Iron Fist or whether I'm talking about whatever, whether I'm talking about Disneyland or, or Bob Ch- whatever, there are those who, who, there are some, some big Disney fans, minority, but some who just can't handle somebody having a bad thought about something they love. So they try to come up with some excuses as to why that's the case, right? Drives me crazy. The same thing happens when I say things that I like about Disney, right? You get these mental insects out there who I say, like, I come out and I say, oh, I, I, I love Shang-Chi. I love it. It's like my favorite since I've seen Logan, right? Loved it. And obviously you get the people who just hate Disney and anything to do with Disney, and they'll come up with excuses to try to invalidate my personal feelings about something that I just watched. So they go, everything, oh, he's only saying, don't you love it when a sentence starts with, you're only saying that because, I hate that, that just, that's just you showing your badge that, yeah, I'm a part of the idiot police. I'm a sergeant of the idiot police. That's what that is. As soon as you start a sentence with, you only like it because, so I get a bunch of people writing, you only liked it because you were at the premiere. And I go, um, well, the, the last Disney premiere I was at was Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker. And I came right out of that and made a video saying it was the most disappointed I've ever been in a Star Wars movie. So if I'm only saying I liked it because I'm here at the premiere, why didn't I do that for rise of Skywalker? So then you know what they do instead of admitting defeat and going, Oh, then I guess that's really how you felt about the movie. No, no, no. Then they change the argument. Then they go, well, well, okay. Well, well then you only liked it because you're, you, you just like everything by Disney. Well, I mean, I've spent the last couple of months, bashing on Disney and their new CEO, Bob Chapek and their new structure and the way they do things. And I have said lately that I'm not really a big fan of the last number of things that they've put out and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So instead of admitting defeat and going, Oh, well, I guess that really is how you feel about it. Then they go to another level of excuse. Well then, well, well, you only liked it then because, uh, 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 your wife is Asian and this movie has Asians. That's why you like Shang-Chi so much. Well, okay. There, there've been a, there's a lot of Asian cinema I don't like. I, I mean, I don't like everything Asian. Hell, I won't even, I don't even eat Filipino food unless it's lumpia, you know. I don't even eat Filipino food, but it, it doesn't matter. Whether you're pro WB or pro DC or, or pro uh, Disney or anti WB or anti, whatever opinion you have about anything, there will always be these mental insects out there who, if your opinion, about something does not line up with theirs instead of just going, okay, cool. We all have different experiences with movies and TV shows and yours are different than mine. Yay. Instead of doing that, they come up with excuses about why you're, what you're saying is invalid or why you're not being honest, right? It's mental insects, plain and simple. It's, it's mental insects, plain and simple. 
And I get these emails all the time. Like if I say, like, I love, like, I love Suicide Squad. You're just, you're just a Warner Brothers lackey. That's all you are. You just, you just, you just the, the dog at Warner Brothers tables, begging them for their scraps. Uh, or I just love Suicide Squad. Maybe that, isn't that a novel idea? Maybe that's why I like Suicide Squad, because I actually personally thought it was fantastic. Doesn't mean you had to think it was fantastic, but I did. If I say, you know, I don't like Fast 9. Well, you just you just don't understand. You just can't handle what, what it is. You just don't get what they're going for in it. No, 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 no. I love the Fast and Furious movies. This one was just a bag of shit. And if you liked it, that's great. Or if I come out of Shang-Chi and saying I like Shang-Chi, sure enough, I get things. Well, well, you just liked it because your wife is Asian. That was the dumbest one I've heard. That was the dumbest one I've heard. But it's that type of shit that I literally have to put up every day. And because every day on my show, I give, I answer between the main topics and then all the live questions that come in. Like I answer 30, 40, 50, 60 questions a day. I'm literally giving my thoughts, opinions, reactions, uh, predictions, whatever on 30, 40, 50, 60 topics every single day. So every single day I get dozens, dozens of people hating my opinion about something and telling me how I'm not being honest about it. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a new upcoming Paramount Pictures film. It doesn't matter if it's... I literally had people writing to me about how much of an idiot I was because I said, I think, you know, I'm a little bit worried for Top Gun 2 because I feel like it might be a little bit late. You just hate Tom Cruise because you're still stuck on the whole Scientology thing. And I literally got those emails. But it's, it's part of the gig right? It's part of the job. I get it. There are mental insects out there. There are lesser people out there who that's all they have to cling on to. And I I get it. And it's, and me doing what I do means I'm going to have to deal with hearing from these mental insects, you know, and don't get me wrong. Like, don't let me discourage you. If you're these, if you're like, I get hundreds of emails and messages, whether it's in the comment section or on, on Twitter or in, uh, in the John at the John campus show email address, or I get hundreds of messages a day from people who disagree with me. And that's great saying, Hey John, I heard you say this about Morbius, but I don't agree because I think this, this, and this, I love those emails. I love those. That's great. But it's these mental insects that try to make up excuses for why you don't think the way they think. And a lot of them watch YouTube shows. Some of them make YouTube shows, but it's part of what you have to deal with. If you want to do what I do, it's just part of what you have to deal with. So (laughs) whatever it is, what it is. So I'm okay with it. Uh, anyway, guys, that is all the time we have for today. We did get through a bunch. Uh, there are more still, uh, still more questions to come from uh, Greg and Johnny Five and Mischievous Gremlin. And at some point this weekend, I will try to make time to get a companion video done. By the way, let me just say this too. For those of you who might be wondering, John, where the holy hell is that free guy open spoiler discussion? Yeah, no kidding, right? I Listen, this week has been so busy that when I couldn't do it on the day that I scheduled it, my, it just got out of hand. So listen for everybody who sent in the questions in the YouTube super chat for that free guy, open spoiler discussion, that video's getting made. I'm going to try my best to get it made before the end of Sunday. 
I'm going to try my best. You guys sent in those questions. They're going to get answered. I will try my best to get them done as soon as I can. And I apologize that that video has been so late coming. It's been really, really busy around here. And uh, I will I will absolutely get to it. I will get to it. So it'll get to you soon. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for being here today. And guys, thank you so much for being here all week. It's been a wonderful week around here on the John Campion Show. Looking forward to the weekend. Don't forget, I've got my straight out of the theater review for The Protégé coming up in a few hours because I'm going to leave here now and go over to go watch it. So that'll be up on my channel here in a few hours, probably around dinner time, my time. It'll be up there. And then, of course, I will try to crank one or two companion videos, one of them being that free guy thing out this weekend. Fingers crossed. Monday, we got the John Campia show, and then it's CinemaCon coverage for all rest of the week next week. It's going to be fantastic. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. My name's John Campia, guys, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.